Well, let's go ahead and see what God has to say further in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. The Lord has commissioned me to preach the word of God. And so I've got it, so I, I know what I'm supposed to say. Isn't that a blessing? Don't have to guess about it. I'm glad we don't have a church, you know, where we just try to feel around where everybody is and meet their needs where they're at. Because the truth is, none of us know what we need anyway. We just need whatever he said. And it's good for us. It'll help us. And uh, we could just open it up anywhere and it would help us. But we are where we find ourselves as we go through this text. We have uh, come to verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1. A most excellent text. Probably if I lifted a phrase out of one of these verses we'll read tonight, it might be one of the most... um, I guess significant phrases in the New Testament. If we were to put phrases or parts of verses on the wall at the church, we might do that over there. I don't know. That might be good to do. I don't know. If you tried to search, you know, what what would be the, the best kind of verse to put out there that you would always look at and read? Probably a phrase out of our text would rank right up there. So I'm in Colossians 1.15, and as we read down to verse 19, the Bible says this. Now this, the antecedent, if you go back to who this who is, you'd have to go up to verse 13 to find the noun, and that's his dear son. So this is about the Lord Jesus. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. You know, there are some things God made that you can't even see. There are some things God made that are in the earth. They're in the heaven. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the church, of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now this is my phrase. That in all things, he might have the preeminence. If you want a phrase to live by, there's one right there. That in all things, not just religious things. In all things, he might have the preeminence. 
For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Now what we have read from verse 15 to verse 19 are things that God the Father has done so that his dear son would be preeminent in all things. I'll say ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ will be preeminent in all things. Though all that's not seen right now, all that God has done in eternity past and going forward through human history is going to culminate and should culminate and have the purpose that his son would have the preeminence in all things. And we, listen, we are at odds with God's plan and order when we relegate the Lord Jesus to the sidelines of our life. Even if he is up there but not at the top. Preeminent, that means he's at the very top of everything. And when we, when we don't do that, when we don't allow the Lord to take the preeminent place in our life, it's really, in, in a way, it's blasphemous. It's saying that we are believing something else is more important than He is. Does that make sense? If we allow something else in our lives to take that top spot, we are saying that is a more valuable thing than the Lord Jesus is. Can you see how that could be blasphemous? Whatever it is, it doesn't even matter what it is. It could be a good thing. It could be a decent thing. But if the Lord Jesus is not preeminent, if He's just somewhere in the top pecking order, that's not enough. And it's really really in rebellion to God's plan, His will, His order. The Bible tells us in verse number 19, for it pleased the Father. It should please all of us if it pleased the Father. It pleased the Father that in Him, in Him should all fullness dwell. All the fullness of everything is in Jesus Christ. And when we are all dead and gone, He will still matter. And when our lives are long forgotten, you know, I don't know if you know who your great, 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 great grandpa is. If you do, it's only because you got on the internet and you found out through some kind of search engine. But all those past generations of people, all their lives are forgotten. Unless they got written in a book somewhere. And then they change all the history books anyway, so half of that's a lie too, so. But when we are long forgotten, all the fullness of anything that matters is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. Notice, not that we should be full. It did not please God that our fullness would be met. But in Him, All fullness needs to be in Him. 
Not in me, not in my life, not in my career, not in my family. But in Him is all fullness. You know, that has a double meaning. I really believe that has a double meaning. In Him should all fullness dwell. I believe the only way to find a full life is if you find it in Him. In other words, you are not going to find fullness in your life unless you go to Him because in Him is all the fullness. You know what people are looking for? They're looking for the fullness of life. You can't find it unless you find Him because it, it has pleased the Father. If you want fullness, it's in my Son. And if you look to be filled any other place but from my son. You're going to be disappointed. And, and your glass is always going to be half empty because all fullness is in him. All the fullness of life dwells in Jesus. You know, sometimes we're all faced with something like this, that in all things he might have the preeminence, but it doesn't play out like that in life sometimes. In other words, when I make a career decision, do I make a decision based upon the preeminence of Christ or the preeminence of my own wishes? Many of you seen, they used to put in the paper, I, I don't even know if people get papers anymore, but they used to put in the paper to pick up a big ad, you know, say, go to the church of your choice. <laughs> well, what if you make bad choices? <laughs> Where you go to church should be dictated by the one that's at the top. And the one that's at the top is not supposed to be you. It's Jesus. It's not even your children. You know, sometimes it's hard to be in the ministry because people want, and even, you know, even people that are in the ministry, they'll have a conflict of, well, do I need to, if I make this choice the Lord wants me to make, then somebody else is going to have to take a back seat to Jesus. And to some people that's rather offensive, especially if it's their child. You, you know, sometimes as a, as a pastor, I have to make a decision or... And you, know, you know what you know what would be a disastrous? If my preeminent desire would be what's best for you. If my preeminent concern is how you feel about it, if my preeminent interest is your child, if my preeminent interest is my child, We're all in trouble. That in all things, he might have the preeminence. Church is supposed to be about, Lord, we're interested in what you want because we're not here even for us. We're here for you. This is, you know, when I pray sometimes I say, Lord, this isn't my church. This is your church. And these aren't my people. They're your people. And this isn't my book, this is your book. What do you want, Lord, for your book and your people and your church? Is, are his interests the preeminent interests? 
You know why somebody leaves their spouse or goes off on fool's hill somewhere? They are not interested in what Jesus Christ wants. They're interested in their own interests. Do you know how many things in our life would work out right if in all things He would have the preeminence? If He was the very first thing we thought about and the very last thing we'd considered whenever we did whatever we... You know how our life would work out? How is this going to affect Jesus? How does this affect His heart? That in all things, not not just things in the church, the things in your house... The things in your home, the things in your private life. Not just your religious life. That in all things. He might have the preeminence. Lord, what do you want? I want you to be exalted in this. I want you to be glorified in this. I want you to have your way. And may we never get so self-righteous that we go around telling everybody, that we're doing things for the Lord when we're really doing them for ourselves. That, that's a grievous sin. To blame something on God for what you want. Go around telling everybody that. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Does he have the preeminence? Does he have the preeminence in your life, in your heart, in your mind? Guys, think about that. That, that, In all things, how much of our day do we spend thinking about the Lord? And how much of our day do we spend thinking about? How much of our day do we talk to whoever? And how much of our day do we talk to God? That in all things, He might have the preeminence. And God the Father has made sure that all things come to Jesus Christ. All things are filled up in Him. He chose that in Him should all fullness dwell. Watch this, verse 15 as we go through the text. Speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the preeminent look at God Almighty. There is no way for you to look at God without looking at Jesus Christ. You won't know who He is. You won't know what He's like. The Bible says about our Savior that He is the express image of His person. Hebrews 1 verse 3. If you want to know anything about God, you've got to look at Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Jesus told His disciples in John 14? He that hath seen me... I've seen the Father. You want to know something about the Father? Look at me. You want to know something about God? You've got to look at Jesus Christ. He is the preeminent view of whatever God is. If you want to know anything about God, you've got to take a good look at Jesus. That's why God gave us four Gospels. Four Gospels about the same story. So that we would look and we would look again and we'd look again and we'd look again so we can see something about God in the face of Jesus Christ that we couldn't see anything else about God. Whatever people's view of God, they need to lose it by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says He was He's God manifest in the flesh. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 about our Lord. He is the image of God. 
who is the image of the invisible God. Guys, go, go, to, go all the way back to Genesis, because I think we've got to start there. We're gonna, you're going to start about images, you've got to go back to Genesis. People throw this little phrase around all the time about, about God making man in his image, right? And they don't run that through the rest of the Bible. The image of the invisible God. You know God's a spirit. God's invisible. And the only way we, can, we as human beings can really learn anything about God, God wrapped everything up in his son and said, right there, look right there. You want to know something about me? You look, 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 look right there at my son. Look at my dear son. He even said in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What a verse. You take everything about God and it was wrapped up in the package of Jesus Christ. That's why when they were, when they were rejecting Jesus, they were rejecting God. When they were abusing Jesus, they were abusing God. When they blasphemed Jesus, they were blaspheming God. He, he was the package of all the Godhead fullness in Christ. Everything wrapped up in Him. Preeminently. You know, pe- people, people go all kinds of places but they're subpar. They're way down the list of things to try to learn about God. Now, you can learn about God by going out in the woods. <laughs> right? You can learn about God by camping out and looking up at the stars. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament show this head anywhere. There's a whole lot of ways you can learn about God. But God says the preeminent way. The preeminent way, if you really want to find out about God, you may get out there in the woods and you may get just as lost as John Denver. And you may become a screwball about God because you didn't look at the preeminent view of God, which was His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, verse number 27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him, Male and female created he them. So man was originally made in the image of God. Now we could say a lot about that. Man's a trinity like God's a trinity. But, but I, that's, not the, that's not the trail I'm trying to run. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 verse number 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, watch it, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son, uh uh-oh, in his own likeness, after his image. We just got to change, don't we? Now we do not see the image of God in Seth. We see the image of Adam in Seth. And so what happens with Seth's boy? Well, Seth's boy is going to get his image. And now we get passed down through humanity some other guy, some other man's image. 
But all the way back there in the garden, when God made man perfect and sinless and innocent, He made him in the image of God. But but man lost something. He lost something of God. And then begins to pass down to the rest of us a different image. So, when the world looks at each other, that's why it's, it's blasphemous to be a humanist. Because you're making a fallen man your God. When you look at human beings, I tell you what you don't see. You don't see God. You see about everything opposite you could find with God. God's not like us. Is that right? Thank the Lord that God is not like the people that I rub shoulders with every day. No, we have one another's image. You can see that in your... In your children's faces. I mean, who would ever doubt that this boy right here belongs to that man right over there? They both got the same name, but Matthew Root, Matthew. I mean, they, they look, they're dead ringer for each other. Right? My boy used to be, but he don't, I don't know if he's a dead ringer for me anymore. I think Brother Mark's boy is a dead ringer for him. He looks like little Mark running around. Isn't that right? Now, wait a minute. Follow that through. You want your kid to be everything you are? No, you know what you want for your child? If if you've got any brains, you want them to somehow have the image of God. You want something better for them than your image. So this is what happened. The Son of God said, Father, I'll go. And he came down to this world as the image of the invisible God. And you know the good news? He says, now if we'll receive him, that he will purpose in our lives to conform us to his image. And you know what will happen if you'll walk with God, if you'll let that new man who is the image of the invisible God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, if you'll let him take charge of your mind, your heart, if we will let him have preeminence in all things, you know what will start shining forth from our lives? Not our image, but God's image. I have looked at people and seen God, but it's only because the image of the invisible God, which is Jesus Christ, was shining out of their life. Isn't that what you want for your family? But I wonder how much about me looks like Jesus. I know one day I'll look just like him. But how much of me right now looks like him and how much of me (laughs) looks like my dad. But you could do worse with that one too. That's a pretty good one. But my dad wasn't the image of the invisible God. But whatever was good in him came from that one that had the image of the invisible God. Mm. Look at Colossians chapter 3. And all things he might have the preeminence. Why? Because he's the preeminent view of God. And we need to quit looking elsewhere to try to find God. 
I, I think that's why silly man's doing all he's doing with all the telescopes and the space program. I think he's trying to find God. He's looking in the wrong place. <laughs> we'll get Brother Faulkner to teach Sunday school to all of us one day about that new telescope. I, I need to hear about all that. They're seeing things that's freaking them out. You have no idea what's out there. They've seen farther than they've ever seen, and it don't even make any sense to them. I think God sits back there and laughs. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even put it past God just to make something just to freak them out. Pop. Amen. Trying to find God every place. God's going to make sure you don't find out about him unless you look at the preeminent view, which is his son. You're not interested in his son, you'll never find God. But he is the image of the invisible God. But this is what I'm interested in my daily life. Colossians 3 verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, and have put on the new man, watch it, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You know what our Bible says? Little by little, day by day, every day we can walk with the Lord. And that new man, Jesus in us, who is the very image of the invisible God, begins to shine forth out of our lives. And he changes us from image to image as we look into the face of of the Lord and into the Word of God. What's wrong with Christianity is it doesn't look like Jesus. So the question is, how preeminent is he in my life? Because if he's got the preeminence in my life, his image is going to come through my life. Let's go to the next one, verse 15. The Bible said in verse 15 of Colossians 1, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. The firstborn. Now there's a heresy people have developed here, whereby they have said he's the firstborn of creation. But that's not what it said. It said he's the firstborn of every creature. Not creation. This is the Jehovah Witness heresy that God created Jesus Christ. And that the Son of God was not pre-existent, was not God Himself, just like God the Father and God the Holy Ghost, but that He was created. He was the first creation. But that's not what that says. It says that He is the firstborn of every creature. Anytime the Bible mentions the Lord Jesus Christ as being the firstborn, it has only two connotations. This one, the firstborn of every creature. Would you drop down to verse number 18? And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Do you see that? The two ways the Lord Jesus Christ is called the firstborn. He is the firstborn of every creature as in, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How is that possible? That's made possible by a birth. You have to be born 
into the family of God. You have to be born of the Spirit of God, John chapter 3, as many as received him, John 1. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even in the believe in his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. There has to be a, a God birth, a God birth for you to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have to be born of the Spirit of God. Well, here's the truth. Jesus was the firstborn. That which was conceived in Mary's womb was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was the first that was born of the Holy Ghost. There'd never been a birth of the Holy Ghost. But there was when Jesus was born. That birth was not of man. That birth was of God. But you know what Romans chapter 8 says? In that same passage, it's, it's amazing how God puts things together in the Bible. The same passage, he talks about the image of his son. He said in Romans 8, 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Listen, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He was the first one born of the Holy Ghost, but he wasn't the last one. I'm also in the family. He's brought many sons to glory. And though I wasn't physically born of the Holy Ghost as he was, I've been born again on the inside by the Spirit of God. And so he, but before anybody could be, if it wasn't for that first birth of the Holy Ghost, there would never be a birth in here of the Holy Ghost. There had been no new creatures in Christ Jesus if, he, if his son hadn't have come. Do you see that? The firstborn of every creature. He said that also in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. But then he says the firstborn from the dead. Now, Jesus Christ was not the first person that was risen from the dead. But you know, all the people that were raised from the dead, this is what happened to them. They died again. Or they will. I have to caveat that, but we won't get into that tonight. Everyone that has ever been resurrected will die again. But Jesus Christ was the firstborn from the dead. He's the first one that got up from the grave never to die again. Because the way he was raised, he was raised in a glorified body. Ain't nobody, got, ain't nobody had that body. The firstborn from the dead, you know, he's the firstborn, but he ain't the lastborn either. He's the, first, he's the first fruits of them that which slept, and we're going to follow in that resurrection as well. But notice he keeps saying he's the first. He's the firstborn uh, uh, of every creature. He is the firstborn from the dead. So here's my question. Why isn't he the first? If he's the first in order in everything, why is not he preeminently first in order of my life? Why isn't he the first consideration in my life? Look at verse 17. This is a great verse. Verse 17. And he is before all things. Do you see that? Not only is Jesus Christ the preeminent look at God, but Jesus Christ is always first in order of everything. 
He is before all things. He, when he was praying to his father in John chapter 17, he said, he said, Father, he's talking about the glory that, I, that we had together before the world began. Jesus was here before you were here. He was here before. He, the Son of God was here before the earth was here, before the fish and the sea and the sun, the moon and the stars. First was Jesus and then everything else came. Do you see that? You know what that tells me? In my life, it needs to be first Jesus. And then everything else can come. That's why he said, seek ye. How many times do we disobey that Bible? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, I want you to be before before any anything in my life. I want you to be first. You know, as a pastor, I've often had to counsel people and talk to people, and there's been a great discussion through the years about how people get their priorities out of order. And people want to have a hierarchy of, of what is important in life, and they try to juggle family and job or ministry or what else. Let me just say this about all that. Jesus Christ needs to be first. How about that for pecking order? What does it matter what is second, third, or fourth if who is first isn't first? If he's not before all things, it's going to be a mess. And usually, usually the people that struggle, he is not first. In somebody's life, wouldn't it be a good thing? I, I tell you what, it would be a good thing for your marriage. Ma'am, sir, if you'd grab your wife's hand, ma'am, if you'd grab your husband's hand and you'd get on your knees and both of you would say, with all the meaning in your heart, Lord Jesus, we want you to be first. But this is a struggle. That's usually not our desire. I've had ladies say, I just wish he would, he would love me more than everything else. And you know what I'm thinking as a pastor? I wish he'd love Jesus more than anything else. And then I'm thinking, I wish you would love Jesus more than anything else. Because I'm just telling you, if he's not before all things, things get in a mess. Do you understand why in all things he might have? That means your marriage. That means your family. That means your children. That means, your, that means everything of your life. He is before all things. He's first. I wonder tonight, where, where does he rank? Look, look at verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. Watch it. Who is the beginning? You, you know the Bible is a great book. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 in the what? The beginning. In the beginning what? In the beginning, what? God. You know that is a profound statement. 
you get to the beginning and God's already there. <laughs> and you go to John chapter 1, in the beginning was the, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's already there. So here's my question. Why do we try to play catch up with God to pull God into whatever we're trying to do? He needs to be at the beginning. Instead of trying to talk Him in. <laughs> Have you ever done this? I've done this. You ever gotten a message of God, if you don't get in this, I'm in trouble. And I almost hear the Lord say, well, fool. By the way, he does talk to his children that way. You just got to read a little bit more Bible in there and you'll find that. <laughs> Fool, if you let me start this, <laughs> you wouldn't have to be trying to manipulate. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to manipulate God into anything. He has got to be preeminent. Or he may not even be interested. That's a good question. Why should God even get involved in my mess when He knows He's not first place? And He knows afterwards He's still not going to be in first place. Oh, bail me out, God. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, get me out of this trouble and this problem. And if He did, we wouldn't think about Him anymore than we did before we got into... <laughs> Do you see that? you see the issue... The issue is he needs to be first in my heart and first in my life. And i got to start everything with him. We've had marriages and they'd start and they'd pray up here, you know. My wife and I on our, our wedding night, we, we got down on my honeymoon night, my first night, we grabbed hands and we got down and got on our knees and said, God, we gotta, we got to have your help. Because if it doesn't begin with him. In all things he might have the preeminence. Verse 16. For by him. These are all things God the father did. So that his son would have the preeminence. For by him. That's Jesus Christ. For by him were all things created. That are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, here's my question. The Godhead. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Bible says all things were created by Him. You find that over and over in the Bible. He created all things by Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. The creator, if I can say this, the creator was not God the Father. The creator was God the Son. Why, why did God the Father say, Son, why don't you do this? I mean, the Holy Ghost had enough power to do it all. But we just find him and create. He's just moving across the face of the waters. But it's Jesus. It's the Son of God that's stepping out saying, let there be light. Why did, God, why did he create all things by Jesus Christ? 
that all things, in all things, he might have the preeminence. You know what you have to agree to? All humanity have to agree to that he is on top because they wouldn't even be anything in here without him. He ought to have the preeminent place because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be here. Isn't that good reasoning? Lord, I'll give you my life because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even exist. I mean, it ought to be just a simple act of he's my creator. If he made me, he's got rights to me. Right? He's the one that made me. The Bible says, are you going to say, will the thing made say to him that made it, why have you made me thus? That's why all this trans stuff is blasphemy. It's saying, God, I don't like how you made me. But there's a lot of saved people that do that. I don't like where you put me. I don't like the family you let me grow up in. I don't like the place where I live. I don't. Listen, let him have the preeminence. He made you. He put you where you are. I sure hope, amen, that if I was born a Chinaman, I'd be just as happy as I am today. Some of you don't even get that. What I'm trying to say is sometimes our happiness is not wrapped up in what God wanted for us. It's wrapped up in what we're trying to get for ourselves. Why should he have the preeminence? He made me. It should be all to his glory because he made everything. He should get the credit for everything and the glory for everything because he, he did it all. And that's why all things, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22, all things are, are put under his feet. You know why everything's put under his feet? Because he made it all. That's why I ought to get down under his feet, because he made me. But, but I like the verse. It says, in verse 16, all things were created by him and, what does it say? For him. Now watch it. Why should Jesus Christ have the preeminence in my life? Because he's the reason for your existence. And he's the reason for your worth. There is nothing worth living without Jesus Christ because our lives are made for him. We are created for Him. And if He doesn't have first place in our lives, you know what we're doing? We are in rebellion to what we were made for. Let's read a few other verses of this, can we? Look at Romans 11, Hebrews 2. There's a lot of verses about this in the Bible. We ought to be able to easily... Let the Lord have preeminence in our lives if we realize what we're here for. <laughs> Guys, do you ever look up? I, I guess I'm more like Bob Jones Sr. Than, than, than some people. He, he grew up in Alabama as a little farm boy. He said, he, just around, just below Dothan, Alabama, down there in South Alabama. And Bob Jones Sr. said this. He said, I was a little boy and I just looked up in the stars and it just dawned on me. That one of these days I was going to live somewhere forever. And that little boy started thinking about forever. That's a big subject right there. For eternity to be in that little boy's mind. You know what we think about usually? 
It ain't forever. It's right now. And our view many times isn't past the nose on our face. And if he'll have the preeminence, if we'll have a little bit farther look, and we'll just say this, what am I here for? Guys, do y'all not ever think about that? I, I watch people live and die. You know, there's so many people that I grew up with and so many people that I watched and respected, and, and, and a lot, most of them are dead. Brother, Brother Bill knows what I'm talking about. How many people that he grew up with are new, and, and they're all dead? And you all are new to him. So guess what's going to happen in your life? One of these days, you ain't going to be here either. Does it not dawn on you, what am I here for? What is my life for? You know, college kids, they, they, used, to, they used to really get into that. You know, what, what am I here for? And they're trying to find the meaning of life. And they're getting out there and they smoke dope in the field. And they're trying to find out what's it all about. And you know what the Bible says? God tells you what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. Amen. And if it ain't all about Jesus, it ain't worth nothing. Right. Do you know what I said? If it ain't all about Jesus, it ain't worth anything. It's for Him. Why am I breathing? It's for Him. My life, I don't know how many years I got left. I could drop dead tomorrow. But what am I here for? Guys, it's got to be more than getting married and having a family and getting old and getting sick and getting a retirement and then going to the cemetery. It's got to be bigger than that. You know what it's for? You know what your life is for? It's for Jesus Christ. And every day you live your life in opposition to that, you're living a life that isn't worth living. Has no value. He said in Romans chapter, there's a lot of verses about that. Romans chapter 11. I don't know if that's helping you, but it's helping me preach to me about that. You know, we get up and say, I just don't know. I'm just so disappointed. Well, if it's all about him, then you don't have anything to be disappointed about because he's always there and he never changes. And he's always right. And he's still the same place he was before I was born. Well, I'm just disappointed. Romans eleven thirty six. Watch this. I love this verse. This is a great verse. Romans eleven thirty six. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. What a good verse. You know what that verse is trying to say? He needs the preeminence. He's what you're here for. He said in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 10. For it became him... For whom are all things. You see that? And by whom are all things. He said it's all for him. He just, he's repeating himself. Look at Revelation chapter 4. Great verse in the Bible. We're all around the throne of glory up there in heaven. Amen. I'm going to be there one day. It's not going to be long. It ain't going to be long for any of us. Revelation chapter 4. The Bible says in verse number 11. The saints are going to say this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. We're still where we were in Colossians. 
and for thy pleasure. They are and were created. You're just here to you're just here so Jesus can get a smile. <laughs> it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And it should please us if he's pleased. That's what I'm here for. The Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. If the very reason I'm here is to please him, how much am I pleasing him? And whatever I'm doing that doesn't please him makes my life worthless. So here's a question about our lives Is it pleasing him? Does it please Jesus? You know what pleased, pleased the Lord? For all of Job's children to die. He let it happen. It pleased the Lord to let Job suffer. You say, well, that's awful. <laughs> if God made me breathe just to suffer a little while to bring glory to Jesus, then I fulfill my purpose in life. Guys, we think we're here for us. And you're not. You're here for one reason. It's for him. And the sooner we realize that, the more freedom that we'll have in our lives. I'll just quote it to you because we preach so long through Proverbs, you don't need to turn over there. It's probably got a permanent mark in your Bible where you... Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself. Mm. Go back to our text. He's the reason for our existence. He's the preeminent look at God. He's the first in order of everything. And he says in verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the preeminent one in that he is the only sustainer. It is only Jesus Christ that keeps everything from not falling apart. By him all things consist. The Bible puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 1. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus Christ should have the preeminence because if it was not for him, everything would fall apart. The sun would fall out of the universe. The stars would fall out of heaven. The earth would quit spinning on its axis. There would be no gravity. You would lose your mind in a second. Your heart would quit beating everything is sustained and held together by the Son of God He's the only thing that keeps it together and He ought to have the preeminence because He's the only one that can keep you together I give you the last one you've been kind and listen verse number 18 and He is the head of the body the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. God says, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do a wonderful thing. I'm going to make a church. But I'm going to put at the head of that church, at the top. You know, you know, you know the wild thing about the church. Jesus Christ is its cornerstone, but he's also its head. <laughs> he's from top to bottom. Because without him, there is no church. It is his body. The Lord said, God says this, I want to make sure that in all things my son has the preeminence. So this church thing that we're going to do and for thousands of years try to rescue the souls of men, I'm going to put my son at the very top. He's going to be the authority. Not going to be a pope. Not going to be a pastor. Not going to be a democratic vote of the members. I'm going to put my son at the top. Hey, guys, 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 guys. You know what we need to do? We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, this is your church. Do whatever you want to do. We want to make sure that whatever we do, it's about you getting the preeminence you have in first place. It being pleasing to you. You get what you want. Guys, you know why we hold signs? We don't hold signs because so many people get saved that, that we can't keep the water hot to baptize them. That's not why we do it. You know why we do that? Because Jesus likes it. You know why we give tracts? Sometimes people can get saved, great. But if nobody ever got saved, if we would, the Lord is pleased with us witnessing because that's what he told us to do. Why do you have to have all these flags? And why do you have to preach about missions all the time? And why do we have to give so much money away? I mean, we give more money away uh, to missions than we, we, we could have built two buildings. I'll tell you why. Because he's the head. Amen. That's what he likes. Amen. He's not so much interested in buildings than he is in souls. I'm not saying no, the buildings aren't important. We want him to have the preeminence out there. We, we want to be a good testimony out there. We want him to have first place in all that we do. But we have got to get back to this is God's church and he's the head. And what do you want, Lord? I try to pray on top, Lord, what do you want? If you want to, you know what? Some people are so mixed up in tradition that if anything ever changed, they had dumped Jesus on the road and they'd yep. yeah. Because they're more interested in tradition, they're answering whatever Jesus wants. Yeah. <laughs> we want him to have the preeminence. Amen. I said, Lord, give, tell Brother Jimmy what songs you want him to sing because I don't want him to sing what he wants to sing. I want him to sing what you want him to sing. And Lord, I like these songs. I like this song, and this one sounds pretty good. And this one gets me going. I get happy with that one. But Lord, what song would you like to hear today? You understand? And Lord, if we have a special, who would you like to sing it? And Lord, who do you want to come in to preach to your people? What would please you? What kind of meeting would you like to have? What, what, what do you want to say to your people? I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we can live our whole lives with Jesus Christ in the back seat of everything. And the Bible says, in all things, he should have the preeminence.